1: This is a heart and hand production.
0: Hi, folks, and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your little extra, little succulent segment of Heart and Hand, which we like to be able to deliver out to you um, before our big weekend games. We haven't done too many of these this season because we've been so dominated uh, with European fixtures. I'm pleased to say I'm stepping in for the wonderful Mr. Edgar. However. Uh, I have got the the best podcaster, in my opinion, that we've got in the network, and that is the ever delightful, no doubt, that one, Mister James Forrest. James, how are you today?
1: Oh, all the better for that lovely um, thing you've just said about me, Cammy. I'm, I've got a tear in my eye, um, especially coming from you. So I'm very humbled, but lovely to speak to you
0: as always. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think it's important that we treat you know treat each other with respect, and I think that. It's nice when you get the chance to step into David's shoes because, fundamentally, he dislikes all of us.
1: I think that's kind of for show. Sure, in fairness, though, I think he does. I think he does love everyone and anyone, and, and likes it when you know you you, you talk to him. Um, but yes, I mean it, it's a nice change of pace on top of everything else as well.
0: That's true. That's very true. We'll call it a change of pace. If people want to complain about a free podcast, then we can fill their boots. James, that's enough about the uh, wonderful Mr Edgar. Let's uh, crack on. We've not done too many heart and hand extra shows this season so far, because as I said in the intro, uh, we've obviously had a number of European games. However, um, this week has been a delight of domestic form with uh, playing Livingston last night in the League Cup. Um, And we've got the return of Aberdeen to Ibrox on Saturday. So we'll just go through... Last night's game, um, quite a lot to kind of unpack, etc. As well. So um, Rangers won one 0 at the Spaghetti Yard Stadium. Uh, Livingston decided to change their name every, or the name of their stadium every twenty minutes or so. Uh, so uh, today it's the Spaghetti Yard. Potentially by the time this podcast comes out, it could have changed again. However, uh, we went to the dreaded uh, Astro Pitch. Um, expected quite a tough game. And James, um, before we get into the the game itself, I think it's fair to say that there was a lot of speculation about what the manager might go with. Um, Every Rangers fan and his his dog had said, well, let's drop so-and-so, let's bring in so-and-so. He hasn't played very much so far, let's bring him in, etc. But the manager, I think, pretty much named... Close to the strongest 11. Stephen Davis drops to the bench. Uh, potentially him starting would have made it our strongest 11, but he wasn't taking this game lightly.
1: I think you had two camps in regard to the Rangers' support, and there was plenty on both sides of this uh, point of view where you had one set that thought this is the kind of game where you make changes. There's a lot of games coming thick and fast. The League Cup is the ideal competition to maybe play a Wes and to play a Greg Stewart, a Greg Doherty, etc. And I think you had another camp that said, no, this is a competition we want to win. We feel like we have a good chance of winning it. Livingston are not the easiest of opponents, especially when it's a arm and veil. Let's just call it arm and veil rather than get confused by the lasagna arena or whatever Um, and Gerard went for the latter he went for the strongest team Um, I think the only change you would make to that is swapped Stephen Davis with Glenn Kamara um, and that would be our strongest lineup uh, at at the moment with you know players available and whatnot Um, I felt that this was a statement of intent I expected on the basis of that that we would Play quite well that we would um, score a few goals because it was such a strong-looking lineup. Um, but at the same time, that is a bit of a risk, of course, because when it's mid-week and when the games start to pile up, you know, you you begin to see the need for squad depth as well. So it was bold from the manager, um, but not totally unsurprising, I think.
0: No, I, I can I agree with that, and I think. See, it's difficult because we are definitely in a catch twenty-two because um we are so desperate to win a trophy. The you know, the two camps that you mentioned there as well. Certainly one side of the argument is we want to win a trophy. This is an excellent opportunity to do so because you know, we were in the quarterfinals as it were, obviously, because of Europe we don't come in until the last sixteen, etc. Um, but we were in the quarterfinals. Livingston, I think, uh, up until very recently, we probably treated as a little bit of a bogey team for us. Uh, we've obviously got haunting memories of very recent awful performances uh, at Um The flip side of that coin is, um, you know, we, we want to be able to, to to play our strongest team in order to, to guarantee success. But we beat Livingston fairly comfortably in the league uh, at Ibrox only a few short weeks ago, and um, we'd hope that we'd be able to put it by us, but. You could understand, I think, uh, the the spread of opinion in terms of why um, people took the game so seriously last night. Um, Getting on to the game, uh, as I say, uh, Glenn Kamara uh, was pretty much instrumental within the first few minutes. Um, James, when we played Livingston at Ibrox, we had to endure a first half that, to all intents and purposes, was not up to a great deal. Um, a couple of minutes into the second half, we give away a penalty. Well, you know, it might take a few more minutes uh, in the game last night, but Glenn Kamara hits a, a fairly decent shot from outside the box. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't think that the goalkeeper had it covered. However, it takes a wicked deflection off of uh, Lammy's knee, goes by the goalkeeper, straight in, five minutes on the clock, and um, we're uh, one nil up already, so uh, pretty much a perfect start and what we were looking for. And you've got to think at that point, well, that's the opening of what we're looking for. Let's go on and and capitalise.
1: Definitely, um, it's exactly the start you need in a game like this, particularly a cup tie. You set out your stall early. Um, I, you know the deflection completely does the goalkeeper. Uh, to be fair, I think you're right. The keeper will likely be able to at least parry the shot away. Uh, had it not taken uh, the knock off of the Libby, Libby defender, and it's it's ideal. And you know, when when you're watching it and you're thinking, you know, early goal, we are playing such a strong side. We've got all, all across the board far better players than the opposition. You know, thinking, you know, a scoreline of three, dare I say, even four nil could have been on the cards. Um, and you know, we just carry on with good attacking play Morelos, Ojo, Arfield uh, an attacking line that will strike fear into any defence on the day, it was all looking rosy in the garden
0: Well um, it took a little bit more uh, effort than that in terms of uh, being able to, to capitalise on that, that early lead uh, however um, the next piece of action which kind of comes up is about 50 minutes later or so um, and it's quite a horrible uh, coming together uh, between a uh, Joe Arribo, um and a Livingston defender who... Um, I think this has caused a lot of contention, so we might, we might put a bit of time into this conversation. Effectively, what's happened is that um, as the, the Livingston defender is looking to be able to try and move Alfredo Morelos out of the way, the ball has then continued to move forward. Uh, what's then happened is Joe Aribo has, has come in to be able to try and put a, uh, a a contact on it Livingston player has then I want to say he's led with the elbow I don't know if he has led with the elbow but what ten, or what's happened at that point is that his body in mid has moved It struck Joe he um, he's went down with a, a horrible gash in his head we later find out that it's actually cut him so far down to the bone um, and required twenty stitches. Um, let's we'll talk. We'll kind of break it into a little bit of a segment as first. But when I first saw that, James, I, I did think it was an elbow, um, and I did think that you know a red card was was coming its way. Any you know were you in a different mindset to that, or um, did you think well it might just be a coming together and the intent might not have been there?
1: So kind of at the time when you're watching it and you see kind of all of a sudden, you know, there, there's a challenge for the ball in the air. All of a sudden, play stops. You see that camera angle because obviously I'm watching this on the TV and you just see the blood coming from a reboot and you get that. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, when I see something like that, it I get quite squeamish and it's just not, not nice to see at all and it's horrible for, you know able to to experience that the replays and you look at because it's not just with challenging uh, a rebo it's also Morelos the guy twice leads you know he's he's using his arms as momentum to get himself up and he's leading with his arm in that way now i am not suggesting in any way whatsoever that and i think it was lamy the the guy yeah, who was, was guy, number 5 um, I'm not suggesting that Lamy is doing this on purpose and trying to leave the elbow in order to to hurt the opposition. I don't think that's the case at all. But I think you're looking at you know a, a lack of quality and being able to make himself physically dominant without having to do something like that. And the elbow does strike, and you know he, he should have been sent off because that's it's. It's not careless, it's reckless. You know, those, those are the things, those are the differences. And, you know, you hear people talking about it both at half-time and at full-time about, you know, the different definitions and, you know, what, what it comes down to in terms of interpretation. I cannot see how you can call that dangerous play. It doesn't matter if it's with intent or not. It's still dangerous play. So he should have been sent off. The fact that there wasn't even a foul given for that is something that I find incredible, almost as incredible as Gary Holt's justification or, you know, his attempt at, you know, after the game first of all by saying, I haven't seen it and then going on to describe what he thinks happened, well, if you haven't seen it why are you describing it? And suggesting it was a head-to-head challenge and that was utterly astonishing as well but not, not a good... Not a good thing to see and definitely should have been a red card.
0: Yes, I think there's an argument to this in terms of whether or not you would call it as violent conduct. I wouldn't necessarily say that it constitutes violent conduct, although um, I'm sure that people will argue with that against me. But the problem is it's reckless and and it's overly reckless in terms of what happens. We're, we're, We're very fortunate. Um, that the news is, is not as bad, I think, as, as originally feared. The manager has said and um, his post-match and also in his presser today that he doesn't expect to see Joe Rebo before the international break. Um, sometimes with head knocks like this, you've you you know you've obviously got a fear of concussions, etc. There doesn't seem to be any um, any concern of that. But again, you have to take your time with these things. Uh, the other thing as well, and I think what's interesting about this, is just the, the Joe Rebo challenge for me was probably one, the worst of uh, one instance where there was a number of instances, Connor Goldson and Ryan Jack also got head knocks um, last night as well. Um, I think it's fair to say that Holt has set his team up to be physically imposing, um, to be able to um, pressure uh, where it's needed. And we've had to probably you know, push back against that. Um, There's also been a lot of discussion regarding Lyndon Dykes, uh, obviously was sent off against Rangers in the game at at, at Ibrox. uh, Eligible, clearly, to play last night. Um, But there was some tackles going in from him uh, and I want to say an off-the-ball altercation that ultimately led to him being dismissed. But it's a running theme, I think, James, as part of this Livingston team, that the pitch... Is is awful. I've played on it. I'm playing on it tomorrow. I can attest firsthand as to how bad it is. Um, and you're almost worried about impact injuries. You're worried about you know players potentially catching studs and turning potentially if it's weight you know slipping and overstretching slightly potentially giving something a pull. But yet with Livingston's manner of play, actually you've got to worry about head knocks and you know potentially getting them. Um, some fairly hefty challenges putting against you as well. And that's that's what Gary Holt wants to, to set his team up as.
1: So there's nothing wrong with being a physical side. You know, that's a that's a legitimate tactic. And if it works for you and you're able to make a, a team like Livingston feel like a comfortable mid-table SPFL side, then that's fine. But there is a line that I think more often now than last season from a Livingston point of view is being crossed where it's becoming too dangerous you know there's studs up challenges as well as you know flailing elbows and the fact that there's only been one of our players that's suffered an injury that's going to see him out for a good few weeks now you know and, and an important player at that as well that's hugely frustrating and it's at the end of the day we've we've got the result and, and we're through so we can't we can't overly complain but you know the, the fact that I, I wonder whether this is more an issue of two things. You know, you've got someone like Stephen Cragen on commentary last night saying, you know, these guys that have played in different leagues, welcome to Scottish football. You know, they're glamorising this idea of being Uber physical. And also from a referee's point of view, which is, I know is something that you'll have particular expertise in, county uh, about where where you draw the line and whether, whether there is a temptation ever going to come, particularly in Scotland, where you set out still early, that no, we're not going to make this overly physical, we're not going to have a situation where a guy is going to have blood gushing from his head, where there's going to be serious injuries that will have guys out for... Three, four, five, six months. Um, I, I wonder whether it's just a it's a culture thing in this country as well as as well as all those other factors, which means that Gary Hall and Livingston, amongst other teams in the Premiership, feel like they can do this and do this against our team.
0: Well, I think so. I think there's a there's a clear feeling that you can potentially do that, and and I think we'll come back to where the the comparisons are to this season to last season. We'll probably come on to that in a little bit. Um, Avribo obviously has to go off. He's replaced by Stephen Davis, who pr- presumably thought he wasn't going to be making an appearance this early, but the 22nd minute he comes on. Um, James, I um, you know I tend to be a bit harsh in, in, in my evaluation, but I don't think I'm being harsh when I'm turning around and saying that, despite that that early lead by Glenn Kamara, we weren't looking to solid, and we weren't looking too confident and been able to go forward. Um, Hellander, I think, looked at times where he was very disjointed. He didn't look like he was having a great night. Um, Livingston started to carve open a couple of chances. The first one was with Keegan Jacobs. We responded uh, with a a, a couple of speculative shots, I think I'm going to say, by uh, Morelos and Scott Arfield. But we wouldn't wait too long for the next moment of contention. And um, And this was a, I want to call it a kind of straight race between the Livingston striker, Lyndon Dykes, and he is running toe-to-toe with Philip Hellander. Um, The two of them appear to come for the ball. The different angles suggest that someone got there first, that then impeded the other, therefore Dykes fouled Hellander, therefore it was a free kick to us, which was ultimately what was given. Um, Other people are arguing Dykes got onto the ball first, was bundled, could have been a red card. Um, we'll do a real-time reaction, James, if that's all right. And now that you've had the benefit of replays, whether well or not your opinions changed? When I saw this, I was very concerned that uh, the, the the free kick was going to be given for Livingston, and I thought, well, that, that, that potentially could see a red. Um, and I was relieved when I uh, obviously saw that Hellander had, had got the, the foul did you did you think differently? Were you quite comfortable that the, the Rangers defender had got there first? When I was watching at the time,
1: I felt that it was quite 50-50 and was leaning toward, if I, if I had a gun to my head and said, right, who gets the fill there? I would probably have said us when I was looking at it in real time. Looking at the replay, I don't think there's anything that, Lyndon Dykes has necessarily done wrong in that challenge. And I think if if anything, a Phil was more committed by Hellander in that situation. So I think we I think we got away with one there personally. And I think had, had the Phil gone to Livingston in that scenario, Hellander's the last man, it's gonna be a red card, it's gonna have a massive effect on the game. Because you're right, up to that point. Between the goal and then, we just we allowed Livingston to get themselves a, a foothold in the game and get themselves into a, a rhythm and a flow which we always seem to find difficult whenever it's in that situation at that park. I think last season we had. A good, you know, we had one good win against, against them, but that's because we were, we were taking our chances and, and being more clinical. We weren't doing this here, and we looked uncomfortable on the ball, and the midfield was being bypassed for whatever reason. And Libby had a clear plan, and they were, were utilising that. And I think anyone with Livingston leanings will feel heavily aggrieved uh, on that one, and I can understand why.
0: Well, th- this is a good opportunity for us to probably talk briefly regarding um, the friruri that has, has come from Nikola Katic being uh, dropped. Uh, however, he was on the bench last night, which um, shows that certainly at any point he's he's certainly in contention for the manager. There's been lots of conspiracy theories going the round about what's happened and there's been bust-ups in training and various other bits um the manager has come out and dispelled pretty much everything to do with that. He's just simply said that this is not to do with him being dropped or axed or anything like that. This is really to do with the rotation of defenders. Now, that certainly rings true because obviously Edmondson's been on the bench um, and other games that has missed. I think the focus for me from last night... And again, let's not be overly critical because we came away with a clean sheet as well and every game that Hellander's played since he came in, that's been the case. Um, but I thought he looked probably pretty unsettled last night, James. I think there was a few times where, a couple of times in particular, where he looks like you know he, he did have some degree of time and space in the ball, um, but he just he purely thought safety first. Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that per se, um, but I think he's a better player than having to hit the ball out for, for, for no real reason. Um, I don't know if it was the pitch. I don't know if it was a slightly more physical nature of the game. I don't know if, again, like you say, he's potentially just having an off night. Um, if you're the manager looking at that, because the manager did make quite an open showing that as soon as the full-time whistle went last night, he came straight on, started speaking to some of the players, Hellander included, uh, and it almost looked like as if we had an immediate coaching session that was happening in terms of how he was looking to be able to get him to deal with high balls. Um, what was your kind of thoughts on, on, on how he played last night?
1: So, a lot of the helander narrative amongst Rangers fans is you know, he's there and Nikola Katic isn't. Um, the reason why I think has come in to the team was because Katic had a poor game against Livingston um, at Ibrox. And, you know, we have a number of good defenders. And, and, and this goes to all across the different parts of the field, across the whole squad, we have a lot more strength and depth. So we're going to use that. There's no point in... And us having that situation, Katic having a a poorer game and, you know, you you could go back to the old firm as well and you wouldn't necessarily say he was that great either. Uh, Well, to be fair, no one really was. But, you know, two performances in a row where it's not quite there and you've got a three and a half million pound defender waiting in the wings ready for his opportunity. When else is he going to get his opportunity? other than a circumstance like that, so it makes absolute sense that he would come into the side and you're right, in the previous games up to this point where he's played he's been absolutely fine, he's done the job that we would expect him to do he was absolutely brilliant against Feyenoord for example, but he did struggle tonight and that's going to happen, players are going to have off nights it didn't cost us but, you know, there was a couple of occasions where his decisions on the ball and his you know, rash play I think we'll call it um, You know, it, it was a bad night would it surprise me if Katic was to come back in for the next game based off of that performance no it wouldn't and when a manager comes onto the field to give instructions like that immediately after the game I don't think that's done without a sense of wanting people to see that he is really not happy with the overall performance because you could easily do that in the dressing room and that's fine. But he's wanting to get that done there and then for people to see. Um, so you know, Hellander, even though he's a Swedish international and he's a you know expensive defender, and he's a very good defender. And because we know this, because we've seen that, it doesn't mean that he still can't learn. Uh, and continue to learn. So it's an interesting one, but it's a good problem to have as well because the more good defenders we have to choose from, the the better chances we're going to have clean sheets and clean sheets go a long way to winning games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I totally agree. Um, that was pretty much the end of the, the first half. The second half, James, there wasn't there wasn't a huge deal to talk about, but I do want to talk about this in a little bit because... I have seen that there's been kind of some discussions going around regarding this as well. Where um, Shea Ojo uh, started the game yesterday as well. He's been a regular fixture in the team. Um, although we weren't creating too many chances, those chances which we did create, um, the best ones, in my opinion, failed to Shea Ojo. I am not sold on Shea Ojo. I'm, I'm not willing to be a hypocrite. I, I, I won't either <laughs> lie about the fact that sitting next to our very own Ian Hogg uh, when we were uh, at the final game, about 30 seconds before he rattled in his, his absolute beauty. I was all for putting him back down to, to Liverpool in December. Um, I'll be honest with you, my opinion at the moment just now is I'm frustrated by him. Um, I'm happy to give him time, so I'm, I'm, I'm wanting him to be able to try and improve it because... There are flashes from him where you can see the the player, the quality that the Liverpool have obviously invested in. But there's also, and I don't want to say a kind of naivety because that's that's very strong, but I'm concerned by what appears to be his issue over some of his decision-making and his thought process. Um, Goal against Bayern absolutely delightful, brilliant. And what I was hoping for was that that would give him some confidence, it would give him a bit of a kind of uh, springboard into becoming a bit, a little bit more of, a, of an attacking threat, Been able to really step that game up and, and and continue to run. Now, he's had a good start to the season, um, but as these games become more regular, what you're looking for is for, and the, the manager has alluded to this, he's looking for guys to go out and win him the game, and he's, he, he said that at halftime at Livingston in the league. Shea Shea Ojo, for me, the the issue that I've got more than anything else is at times he looks as if he's very much the finished article and there's other times as well where I think some of the basics he can get wrong is concerning. Now, James, you're more optimistic than I am. Am I being overly critical or are you seeing some of the things I'm seeing and thinking the same way I am?
1: I don't think anything that you've said there in terms of your description of Sheojo is unfair at all um, I think that we have to remember that this is still a young guy when he when he came in and you see you know this is a physically strong looking winger who you know, we've, we've heard the name from Liverpool youth in the past and you know there is there is potential there is absolutely potential there and um, The key thing that you're talking about there is decision-making. Greedy so-and-so would be another way to describe him because there was a couple of times he could have absolutely squared the ball back to Morelos uh, in the second half and he chose to shoot and it felt like a ridiculous decision at the time. He's not a consistent player. He is someone who will have flashes of absolute brilliance. Uh, He had a great game against Hibs at Ibrox, for example. Uh, He has a wonderful moment against Feyenoord, but the problem that we have is a lot of other times he struggles to really make a a proper mark on, on the game. Now, in fairness to him in this game, there were some times where we were really under the cosh. He collects the ball, he brings the ball out, he goes on a dribble, the ball ends up a lot further up the park toward the Levy goal. That's something that a winger does that helps take the pressure off of our defences. That's, that's a good part of his game that he had last night. But it's just far too inconsistent. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, guys like John Jones, guys like Ran Kemp, guys like Scott Arfield, they should all be ahead of him in the pecking order. I don't think that's unfair as well. But I, I think the question we ask ourselves is are we willing to put up with the bad parts of Shea Ojo's game for the occasional really, really excellent performances and moments that he will be able to give us? That's ultimately a question for the manager in terms of who he feels would be the best two wingers to support a main striker, whether it be Morelos or Defoe, that are going to have the best impact. And sometimes that answer will be Shea Ojo. Um, And whether he does well or not, ultimately that's down to to the manager's decision. Um, And also if he can find that level of consistency. Um, But he's here to develop that so we might not see it. We might, but we might not.
0: I think it's tough for a guy to be able to come in to Glasgow. I think it's tough for him to come into to the, the, the pressure cooker of, of Ibrox. Um, we are going through probably a, a change in terms of uh, we are winning games now that we wouldn't have won last season. I, I, I'm seeing and hearing that phrase a lot and I totally agree with it um, but with that comes an expectation and it's why at the top of the show when we're talking about well we've beaten Livingston already this season pretty comfortably let's put whatever's happened against, the, against them at Almond in the past so let's go out with a slightly weaker team just to give players a rest obviously that's not what happened and quite justifiably so because I think if we had made wholesale changes in that team last night we would no longer be in the League Cup is my honest opinion Where Ojo fits within that dynamic, however, is that he has the skill and the talent to probably stand out with that. And he's already seen, uh, you know, we talked with Joe Arriba from last night. We've we've got Ryan Kent has come back in, but he's he's out with injury currently. Um, Other players who, you know, will be coming back in. There will be changes. There will be rotations. The games are, you know, very, very frequent. Um, We're pretty much... Uh, either Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday, or, or Thursday, Sunday, week on week. Um, but he has to, he has to come in and he has to kind of accept that responsibility. What I'd hope is that he, he sees, you know, the, the the kind of performance that he's delivering, and if it's just these issues with being able to make those decisions in the final third, that to a certain extent he'll be able to to get a bit of a, a bit of an education, a little bit of some coaching coming off the back of that, and and again just have the confidence and the Self belief that he makes the right decision, whether that's going to, you know, score a goal or create an assist. Um, and I'm very conscious that there's got a lot of players around him who will help him come out with that. Um, as I say, not too much more in terms of being able to get through. We uh, obviously progressed through to the next round. Um, and uh, as it turns out, we will now be playing Heart of Midlothian, uh, who took Aberdeen. Uh, to a two-all draw uh, and then extra time and one in penalties Uh, turns out Sam Cosgrove of Aberdeen who scored two penalties during the game missed the the first pen however the penalties overall for Aberdeen were absolutely terrible Um, we'll come back to them in a minute because obviously we've got Saturday's game coming up Um, James I suppose my feeling is and obviously where I'm situated through in West Lothian, I'm uh, in contact with a lot of Hearts fans my feeling at the moment just now is we are probably best off to try and avoid them until the game's been played either on the 2nd or 3rd of November um, for the semi-final at Hamden because they seem to be in a little bit of a resurgence. It was not that long ago they were standing outside uh, wearing them hog, shouting for Craig Levine to go. But in that time, they have beaten Aberdeen um, and they've beaten Hibs, which obviously is very important as part of the Derby. Um, and it's certainly kind of given them some breathing space at the moment. Now, whether or not Craig Levine is still at hearts when we do play them in the semi-final at the beginning of November, you know, remains to be seen. Um, but of our other possible opponents, in either uh, Hibbs or they who should not be mentioned, were you pleased with that draw? Would you, would you have taken that if I could have offered it to you at the beginning? Or would you rather have played one of the, the two ugly sisters? It's
1: funny whenever people talk about you know draws, particularly when it's like when it's a semi final. You say, "Well, who do you want out of out of that?" Listen, at the end of the day, we want to. We're, we're at the stage now where winning the trophy is is very very realistic now, and whoever we're going to play against, we, we'll have to beat two of the three sides anyway. So, if it was if it was Hibs that we're drawn against, then. We've got to go and beat them. If it was Celtic we were drawn against, we've got to go and beat them. It's it's hearts that we are drawn against, so we've got to go and beat them. I, I'm not I'm not big on saying oh you want that draw in the semi final uh, or, or or anything like that. I think it's more a case of you just get your opponent and you you take on that challenge. It will be a hand and it will be a neutral venue, so it will be. And it feels weird that it will almost have been a year since our last trip to Hamden, which feels far, far too long. So even though it's a crappy stadium, but that's a different issue. But I, I think I think it's you know it, it, it is the draw that it is. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best draw we could possibly get because, to be honest, it could be any one of of three at that point. Um, but they do seem in a bit of a, a resurgence. I don't think that that's enough though uh, to get the better of us when we are on our day, so it's more a question of whether we can make ourselves play at the level that we know we can do and be more consistent with that, because that's something particularly in domestic games of late we seem to be struggling with
0: Yeah, and and I think it's also fair to point out, well done to Sam Cosgrove for ensuring that no Aberdeen fan had to come down to Glasgow for a midday kick-off, uh, as that was obviously a huge bone of contention last season so well done to him, however um, you're right there is a there is an issue around where we are performing domestically at the moment and um again several of the the, the kind of opinions are well you know we won ugly against Livingston because we had to and let's you know absolutely uh, hope for the best if we win the cup no one will care about what happened at the end of September in, in Livingston so there's definitely a point to that I like the idea of being able to go, Still to face Celtic in the Cup because I am fairly sure that we'll be able to, to beat Hibs who, like Hearts are in a little bit of, a, kind of their own crisis at the moment. Um, but the the main thing is we just need to get by Harps and, and being able to go to the national stadium. Yes, it's a dump, but it's a better ground than Livingston and it will be a, a big occasion. As you say, um, yes, so it's, it's a semi-final. We are used to playing in finals. That's what happens. So there will be a high level of expectation, but I'm also fairly comfortable that the manager will put out his strongest team in order th- to be able to get us there. Um, but yes, um, we, we are making it tough on ourselves domestically. Uh, and sometimes, listen, you have to win ugly and and, and that's what's important. However, speaking of ugly, um, yes, we do have uh, Derek McInnes's shot busting Aberdeen visit- visiting uh, Ibrox on Saturday. Um, they've now obviously played an extra 30 minutes of football and uh, the disappointment of getting out the, the cup, although that shouldn't be anything new to Derek McInnes. James, how do you see this one uh, unfolding on Saturday at three o'clock?
1: Um, I think in terms of what Aberdeen are going to do tactically, it's not going to be anything that will overly surprise us. I would be amazed if their reaction to a demoralising exit of the cup will be do you know what we're going to Ibrox? Let's just go and play. Let's go and play football. That's not really what they're going to do. They were never going to do that anyway, because that's just not the Derek McInnes way. Um, again, this is down to us and our reaction to how they are going to set up. They're going to, off. They're going to be solid in the middle of the park, or as solid as it possibly can be. Look to knock the ball up to their big man up top in in Sam Cosgrove and try and play off of that. How do we win that midfield battle? How do we take advantage of situations when we're out wide? How do we make sure that whoever's in in the penalty area is going to be able to get a shot at the very least on target against one of the better goalkeepers in in the league, in Joe Lewis? Um, it's, It's got the potential to go one of two ways. It will either be an absolutely... You know, storming affair, a la Hibbs, where we score four, five, six goals, or it will be another kg SPFL game at Ibrox, where the fans will show levels of frustration and take that out on guys who they you know seem to feel are 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 the cause of that. Um, How do I see it going? I, I think I think it's more likely. To be the latter, however, I still think we have the quality to overcome uh, that Aberdeen side. So, if I was to give a score prediction, I would maybe go slightly conservative, but with a small C, uh, and go for a 2 0 win for Rangers.
0: Well, yeah, I, I can I can understand all of that. I think the, the the big thing for me, more than anything else, is that we haven't had. I don't feel domestically an easy game since the beginning of the season. Certainly Hibs and his Fife probably about it uh, in both the League and Cup. Um, Aberdeen will come. It's a big day out in Glasgow. They hate us. They will try harder against us than any other team in the division. Um, the challenge for us, I think, um, is we've got to be uh, cautious of probably some of those those. Challenges that you know will come with games with plenty of needle. Um, I think the good thing is that we've shown far more composure uh, than we've done certainly against the you know in in previous games against Aberdeen. Um, And we've got players who absolutely can hurt them. Um, But as I said prior, we've got a huge you know uh, fixture calendar which has been coming up because obviously we have young boys um, a week today. So Although, yes, we are talking domestically and we're talking about Aberdeen and we're talking about a home game, we also have to have one eye on that game that's coming up as well. So, in an ideal world, we um, we put the game to bed early doors and, as I say, we can do some form of a kind of squad rotation. But right now, um, I think that we will have uh, Davis coming in, the likelihood being, obviously, I mean, is not going to be playing. The likelihood is that he'll go with a, a hugely similar team to the one that started last night. Um, and we know that Aberdeen will come to do whatever they can to possibly hurt us. I think that this will probably be one of the most attacking games that we've seen at Ibrox from our opponents. I think that McInnes won't necessarily tell them to to sit in because, again, with Sam Cosgrove, he does have a good striker. You can't really take that away from him. Um, there's always good battles uh, with uh, Morelos and uh, Considine. So it'll be interesting, I think, is, is probably the best way to do it. James, you're going for, did you say 2-0 or 2-1? Two nil, two 0 Right, okay. Well, we can, um, we can go for that. I am going to go super positive because I, I feel like as if we've talked a lot about an ugly performance. Almond Vale. I think um, Saturday afternoon will be the rainbow after the the clouds, and I will say four nil. Uh, if no, I know I I'll go five. Uh, Morelos hat trick this time around with a Jermaine Defoe brace. We'll do it the other way around this time. Um, the other thing that's that, that's also very important for us to mention as well that um, the club have also confirmed that with the the tragic recent recent passing of Fernando Rixon, who was laid to rest uh, yesterday, there was uh, enormous numbers. James um, came out for him um, as the, the the funeral cortege passed uh, by the stadium uh, and then over to the west end at the church. Um, some wonderful uh, tributes and. Um, Uh, comments uh, on the Rangers site uh, from scenes inside the the actual uh, funeral uh, ceremony itself. Um, A beautiful send-off for the guy who was a terrific servant to to Rangers Um, and the club have confirmed that um, there will also be a collection um, at the stadium on Saturday for uh, Motor Neuron Disease Scotland who obviously um, were a huge focus towards the last part of Fernando's years and raised a tremendous amount of money for them James um, it was a sad occasion but there was a lot of colour uh, to celebrate uh, the passing of such a, uh, I, I think a great football player a great seven but also a great husband and father
1: Just wonderful to see as many people turn up on a Wednesday afternoon to Pay the last respects uh, at Ibrox. Um, you know that just shows you how wonderful a club we really are when so many supporters turn out for someone who you know was a was a great great player for us. You know he you know, captained one of the most iconic moments in our recent history, and just the the way that he. The way that he just took took on his his battle with MND was just awe inspiring, and I'm so glad that there's opportunity for fans to donate uh, at the game on Saturday. I'll certainly be taking any any form of of change that I've got, and then some uh, to contribute to that, because ultimately when A treatment and a cure is found for this absolutely horrible horrible disease I think every single Rangers fan will think back to Fernando Rickson and remember that he played a very important part in that coming about so really really glad to see that and well done to everyone involved certainly yesterday uh, who went along who you know said goodbye to Fernando giving him the send-off that he truly, truly deserved
0: Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better myself uh, Well folks, that's it that's us for our heart and hand extra for this week, um, if you enjoy listening to uh, the ramblings of people like myself and James why not check our Patreon site um, we've got loads of great content on there. We've got you know a number of shows that drop every single day as well, um, and you can get that from a, as little as one ninety nine. So please on, head on over to Patreon. It's P A T R E O N forward slash Heart and Hand. Um, and have a look and sign up and see if you like some of that content as well. The last thing for me to do is to thank your executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers, um, and more importantly, my wonderful guest um, today, James. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, my friend, as always.
1: Cammie, let's not leave too much of a gap the next time we speak to each other, because it's always good fun, uh, and thanks very much for having me on.
0: Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I promise you can be the little spoon next time. Um, that's it from us folks listen have a great weekend let's get three points on saturday and beat the sheep and just remember first is everything second is nothing bye that was a heart and hand production sports social podcast network